Our class is Exodus chapter 20. We are continuing in our not optional series. I want to welcome our guests as well for, that are online joining us this morning as well. Praise the Lord. We're grateful. <laughs> Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7, when you got it, say so, and it says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Lord God, we thank you for your word that is true. We thank you for your grace that is real, and we ask you this morning that you would speak to us that our ears would be attentive to your voice, that our hearts would be sensitive to the conviction of your Holy Spirit, and that we would not just hear your truth, but that we would respond to it in faith. Lord, glorify yourself in these next few moments that we have together. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege to share your word with your people. Be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, just raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. Uh, make sure you keep it up until you get the outline. Um, don't assume that they saw you and they're coming to you because they may have not seen you. I want to make sure everybody has an outline so you can follow along in the introduction of the sermon. Um, you can also answer some questions that are in the outline. And then as always, I want to remind you that you are a disciple of Jesus. And as a disciple of Jesus, you're called to make disciples. And one of the ways that you make a disciple is to help them grow in their faith. And so these outlines are a tool for you to be able to take what you learn on Sunday morning and help someone else grow by sitting down with them and simply having a conversation with them. You don't have to get up and preach in front of a large crowd. You can sit down over lunch, over coffee, over breakfast or whatever, and just have a conversation about God's word. And I say this not to be condemning, but I, I really want you to understand this. If you are not helping someone grow in their faith, you are not being a faithful disciple of Jesus. And that's just the reality. If, this is not just for pastors or just for leaders or just for spiritual people. Every one of us is called to make disciples. And so I encourage you to utilize this. And if you're not, start praying about, God, who can I disciple? Who can I help grow in their faith? And you know what? Your first step in their life may be to lead them to Jesus. Amen. That may be where it starts or maybe just helping someone grow. And so I encourage you to do that. Also, for those of you that are following along in our Bible reading plan, today is day 35 of the Bible reading plan. And the idea was in the beginning of the year, we started reading one chapter in the book of Psalms a day, one chapter in the book of Proverbs a day, and then one chapter in the Old Testament, one chapter in the New. We start in Genesis and Matthew and move forward. And so today, day 35, we are in Genesis chapter 35. We are in Psalm 35 when we finish the book of Psalms, we'll start over again. In the book of Proverbs, we're starting over every month. So the first of every month, you're going to start reading the first Proverbs. So today is what? You'll be in chapter four in the book of Proverbs, and then you are in the book of Mark chapter seven. So if you're following along, that's where we are. And you can also go on Realm, and you can get connected there on Realm to make sure that you're up to date. I don't update every single day, but most of the days I put in there so that everybody is on the same page just to keep you going in that challenge as well. And so if you look at your outline here, we're continuing on in our not optional series. And 
The first thing that I, that I say here is that as God's people, we are responsible to uphold and bring honor to the name of the Lord. Our lives must reflect those or whose we are and with whom we are in covenant. Our lives are supposed to reflect whose we are and who and to whom we are in covenant with. And so as I was studying for this particular sermon, I don't know about you, but when I think about all of the commandments, right? Like we went through commandment one about having no other gods. I think we all recognize that we deal with some things in our lives, right, that are misplaced. And when we deal with idolatry, right, we recognize that we all struggle with some idols. But when I came to the third command, I was like, yes. I got one that I know that I'm going to hit it. I'm, I'm going to be able to get up here and say, you know, I found a command that I am not commit that, that I'm not committing, that I'm not doing wrong, which, which was this one, right? Can any, anyone else think that way about them? Just be honest for a moment. Don't leave me alone, right? Anybody else think? I'm not, I never use the name of the Lord in vain, right? Like any, just two people, three people. Okay, that's fine. Um, so there's only two of us. The rest of you are holier than I, I guess. But nonetheless, you know, you, didn't, you, don't, you realize how unholy you are. That's what I mean by that. But the truth of it is, as I studied the text, I started to realize this is so much greater than what we attribute to dishonoring the name of the Lord and what we think about. And so as we go through this, it's to look at what the scriptures teach us. So I want you to remember this. Uh, the Ten Commandments or these words, they do what? They, they reveal the nature of the covenant maker, right? That's what they do. They show us who God is in his holiness. They also define the covenant people, who is covenant, who we are. And then they also show us where God's blessings and judgments are stipulated. And so what God does, and I, and I always, when I think of covenant, I think of marriage. And, and for me, and, and you know, some of, the, some of the, the, the young ladies in here or older ladies, you may get a little offended by what I'm going to say, because in marriage counseling, you know, we talk about, you know, we, we sit down in marriage counseling, and I've done that premarital counseling. And in premarital counseling, you know, we don't just talk about what the Bible says about marriage. We come down to the practical stuff. And practical stuff meaning like, what do you want at your wedding, right? Like, you know, are you going to walk down, you know, the aisle if you're in a church or, you know, where are you coming from or whatever the case is, how many people are going to be in the wedding? You know, we talk about the sand ceremonies, you know, lighting of unity candles. We, you know, go through all of those details. But there's one detail that I always bring up and I, because I want to know where they're at and it's the vows. And I want to know, um, you know, I give the option. I wrote my own vows. My wife wrote her own vows. That was an option that we had. So I always give that option. And some people are like, yeah, I want to write them. Other people are like, no, and you know, whatever. But I remember one particular case. I was sitting in the office and we're talking about the vows. And the young lady said, yeah, you know, as far as the vows go, I don't care about writing them or anything. But do we have to say that submission thing? I told you, ladies, going to be a little bit offensive, you know. But do we have to say that submission thing? And I'm like, yes. The reason why is because it's a biblical premise, right? And in our day, like, we don't want to hear about, you know, we're, we're okay hearing about unconditional love. Like, everybody in here wants to know, you know, you need to love unconditionally. Amen? Amen. Right? When we talk about unconditional respect, oh, no, you got to give, give respect to get respect, right? Uh, I, 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 hold on, hold on. That, that's what we think, right? But is that what the Bible says? Does it say somewhere in there, like, you know, husbands, love your wives as Christ of the church, and wives, if your husband's worthy of respect, respect him? It isn't what the Bible says. Anyway, anyway. But the reason why I bring this up is because the covenant of God in the Ten Commandments, God says, I am who I am. I am going to be all of these things to you. And then he does what? He raises the standard for what you need to be for me. 
when he chooses, and because we are the bride of Christ, when he chooses his spouse, his covenant people, he lets them know, this is what I expect of you. You see, in our days, what we do is typically, you know, we have certain standards for the person we're going to marry. And just give you a few, you know, like, first of all, the person you marry, if you're not married in this place, he should be or she should be a Christian. Someone say amen. Amen. And I don't mean a Christian by profession. I mean a Christian by their lifestyle. I don't mean someone who said they're going to come to church with you just because you go to church. That's not a Christian. Hello, somebody. Right? It is someone who really loves Jesus, right? And then, you know, they need to be responsible. Someone say amen to that, right? Because a lot of times what we'll do is, okay, they need to be responsible. They need to be obedient to the scriptures. We have this list, and then what we do is we lower our standard because we feel like, man, maybe I'm getting too old. Hello. Maybe, maybe I'll never, maybe I won't find somebody else, you know. Maybe I have to. So we, we lower these standards, but I want you to know something. You don't need to lower your standards from being biblical. Hello. God does not lower his standards. What he does is he said, this is what I expect of you. And then in that, he says, if you are what I've called you to be, I'm going to stipulate blessing for your life or you're going to experience my judgment. Are you here? This is what he says in his covenant when he's dealing with these Ten Commandments and he doesn't change his mind, right? Like he doesn't say, oh, these don't really matter. Listen, if you want to walk in the blessing of God in your life, obey his word. Period. Obey what he says. Do what he says. If you want to see God's judgment in your life, disobey him. Don't do what he says. Listen, don't accept this cheap grace that's out there that just justifies you to do whatever you want to do. Listen, God makes it clear. You want blessing? Walk in obedience. You want judgment? Walk in disobedience. That's what the covenant tells us. Third thing in your your outline there, we must regard the name of the Lord as holy. We must regard the name of the Lord as holy. There should be a reverence, hear this, for the name of the Lord among the people of God that separates him from any other being and exalts him above all. Do you hear that? There must be reverence for the name of the Lord. What did the Lord? The Lord Jesus himself, they was asked about prayer. He taught his disciples to pray. And when he teaches them to pray, he tells them what? When you pray, do this. You say, our Father who art in heaven Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Make holy the name of the Lord. See, here's what has to happen for us. We, you and I, must pause in our prayer time to make holy the name of the Lord. And that way we live our lives from that understanding. So when I come into prayer, it's not just, hey, Father, I come to you because I have a relationship with you because of Jesus, and I have a long list of things that I need to tell you about. No, no, we need to pause for a moment and say, hallowed be the name of the Lord. And so we stop and we say, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord, my provider, right? You are Jehovah Nisi. You are the Lord, my banner. You are my defense. You are Jehovah Sabaoth. You are the Lord of hosts, the God of war. You fight my battles for me. You are Jehovah Roi. You are the Lord, my shepherd. I shall not want you lead me 
beside still water. You are the Lord, Jehovah, Sid Canoe, the Lord, my righteousness. I'm not righteous because of myself, but he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of him who died for us. You are Jehovah, Mechadeshem, the Lord who sanctifies me. You set me apart for your purposes, for your will. Your name is holy. You are Jehovah God, the existing one. You are Elohim. You are Adonai. You are God and you are God alone. You see, we have to hallow the name of the Lord. Here's what I want you to know. If you don't hallow the name of the Lord alone, you will never hallow his name in public. If you don't pause and remember who you're talking to. Can I tell you something? You know why that little rehearsal right there becomes something that's so important? Because when you walk through the hallowing of God's name, you'll forget about everything you need to ask him. Because you will remember, man, I don't need to ask him to provide. He is a provider. I don't need to ask him to fight for me. He already said he did. I don't need to ask him if I'm righteous. He made me righteous. See, I begin to remember who he is, and then I live my life from that place. See, that becomes so important for us because we are the people who carry the name of the Lord. You see, we live in a day where, you know, there's a bunch of confusion. And listen, the enemy has, has, has always, always wanted to attack the church. He always wants to make the church look bad. And can I tell you something? Sometimes we as human beings give him the opportunity. Sometimes we say things we shouldn't say, do things we shouldn't do, agree with things we shouldn't agree with, and then we end up bringing confusion to the name of the Lord. And here's the thing. I don't care what you want to call yourself. Some people, they don't want to be tagged evangelical. They don't want to be called this. Listen, here's the bottom line. We are Christians. We are carriers of the name of the God, the Christ in us. We are carriers of that God's name, and we are the ones that are called to hallow his name. Make his name holy. It doesn't mean you got to stand around and, you know, do what I just did in public, um, public squares so people can know about your God. But listen, people need to know that you're trusting him for provision, not that job. People need to know you're trusting him for protection, not someone else. People need to know you're trusting him for all of the things that you need in your life because he's God and he's God alone. See, the big idea I have for you is this, is our reverence for God is seen in our honor of his name. Our reverence for God is seen in our honor of his name. You say you reverence God? Well, you know what? How do you honor his name? How do you live your life? Because this is what we're dealing with. We're talking about honoring his name. It, it, is, it is holding his name as sacred. And so here is the first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must understand the significance of God's name. See, in our culture, we do not, we're, we're not those people who put a big deal. Like most of us, when we're naming our children, we're making sure that the name sounds good with the last name, right? Like we want to make sure that our kids don't sound crazy going to school. We think about people making fun of them. We think about the nicknames they're going to come up with and be like, oh my goodness, you know, like I can't name my son. And I'm not going to say a name because I may offend someone here. But, you know, I can't name my son that. I can't name my daughter that because, you know, all we're concerned with, you know, carrying on your name and, you know, so we name them junior, thirds, fourth, fifths, and seniors. You know, so we have all of that stuff, right? And, and so we think in those terms. However, in a biblical sense, like, and I don't know about you, but when you, when you think about, like, how many of y'all have, like, read the names in the Bible, right? At least I heard, heard them read, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're like, who on earth would name their child that? 
Like, you just think about the names, that, the, the, the nicknames for that kid, right? Like, oh, my goodness. Like, people are, you know, anyway. But there's a reason behind those names. Because when you look at the definition of those names, that is where the matter is. When you look at the definition and what that, because in those times, a name meant something. A name was something, it gave the person identity and it spoke to their destiny. So when you look at like Genesis chapter 35, Genesis chapter 35, it records the death of Rachel. And so Rachel, Jacob's wife, the one that he loved, the one that he adored, she is dying as she is giving birth. She's giving birth to her second son, which is obviously her last son that she's going to give birth to. And as she is giving birth, she does what? She yells out and she calls him what? Benoni. She, she names him as she's dying. She says Benoni. You know what Benoni means? It means son of my sorrow. So for the rest of his life, you know what he was going to be known as? A person who brought sorrow. But you know what? We know what his daddy comes and does. His dad says, no, your name is not going to be Benoni. Your name is going to be Benjamin, son of the right hand. Son of the right hand. Why? Because I want your destiny, I want your identity to be locked in God, not in the negatives, not in these sorrows. I, I don't want you to walk around your life thinking about the fact like, man, I'm a person who brings sorrow. Every time I walk into a room, man, it's like a cloud comes in with me, right? I mean, that, 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 that's not what he wanted for his son because names mattered. And when it comes to God, it's the same thing. God reveals himself through his names, right? And when I just went through that list, those are all Old Testament names. God reveals himself because he's revealing to what? He's revealing to us his identity. He's revealing to us not just his identity, but wrapped in his identity, he's revealing to us his will. So when we talk about Jehovah Jireh, you know what we know is that God doesn't will that anyone lacks. doesn't mean that he wills everyone to be rich. It just means that he wills that no one lacks. See, there's a difference here. And so we have to get this, right? So when we, when we understand he is Jehovah Shalom, you know what that means? We know that God doesn't want you to walk around worried. He doesn't want you to walk around discouraged. Dis he, doesn't, he wants you to walk around in what? His perfect peace. He's the God of peace. He gives you that. And so he reveals. We know that God is love. He reveals himself as that. And so what, is it, what does that show us? That shows us his will is that we walk in love. And that we experience that from him. And so what we know is it is his will, but it is also his ability. You know why I pray for people to be healed and I will pray for them to be healed until the day that I die? It's because his name is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord, our healer. Not was, he is, he is, he is. He declared himself to be that, so therefore, I believe his will, I believe that his ability is to bring healing. Does he heal everyone? No, but you know what I know? He's wiser than I. That doesn't change who he is. Amen. It's the same thing for us as parents. We can give our kids, you know, if we're wise, we can give our kids everything, but we don't. Hello? Because we know if we give them everything, right, what happens? They get spoiled, don't they? They start, to, they, they start to have this, this, this expectation. They, they start to feel like it's, it, it, it's everything they say. Wait a second, time out. There may be a reason why I'm saying no, and I don't understand all that stuff when it comes to God, but I know that he's a better father than I am. And so what we realize is that his name matters. And so when you look at the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the name for God is the name Yahweh. 
right? It's spelled Y-H-W-H. Y-H-W-H. No, there, there's no vowels in the Hebrew, in the original. And so that's the way that it's spelled. So Yahweh, I, I wouldn't even know how to pronounce that. But nonetheless, that was his name. And it was utilized in the Old Testament over 6,000 times, about 6,828 times, if I'm not mistaken. So almost 7,000 times this name is used in the Old Testament. And then the scribes, and some of you have probably heard this before, because the name Yahweh was so holy, they did not want to say that name or write that name. So what they did is they put this thing, this word Hashem in the Greek, and what that means is the name. And so instead of saying Yahweh, they would say the name Hashem of the Lord, the name of the Lord, rather than saying his name. That's the reason why Jehovah's Witnesses get all bent out of shape, right? Because we don't use it. They don't realize they shouldn't be calling themselves Jehovah's Witnesses because there's no vowels in the Hebrew. Anyway, they should be calling themselves Yahweh's witnesses or whatever, you know. Like that. I mean, you want to be technical. Right? Let's be technical here. I mean, it's a, but, but anyway, right? I'm just saying, like, doesn't that make sense? Like, if you're going to be technical about something, at least be right. Just saying, like, when you sit down with them, they come knocking on the door, hold on a second, Yahweh. No, none of this is Jehovah. You let them know. Be like, you're wrong anyway. So what do you mean? But anyway. But here, but, but here we see this name that is used. So whenever you're using the name of the Lord, you are literally talking about God himself. Give you an example. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. You can write this down. One of my favorite scriptures in Proverbs. It says what? It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe or they are saved. How is it that I'm running to a name? How does that happen? I'm running to a person. And when I say his name, I'm running to him. His name is him. What does Jesus pray when he prays? He said, Father, I have kept them what? In your name. I kept them in your, I kept them by who you are. And so for us, we have to understand the significance of the name of our God. And, and, and here's the thing for us is that we cannot become so familiar with the name of the Lord that we don't reverence his name. It can't just become just part of our vocabulary. You know, our children, you know, they, they hear people say, oh my God, like it's nothing. You hear our kids, you know, or, or people say, Jesus Christ, when they're talking, like, hold on, time on a second, why are you calling on him? Yeah, my Christian friends up in the room, I know some of y'all do that. Not because I heard you, because I just know that it's something that happens. It becomes just a normative thing that we say, oh my Lord. What about that? Are all of those things using the name of the Lord in vain? Absolutely. And so we as believers are supposed to hollow the name because if we go back, guess what? They weren't saying, oh, Yahweh, hello. They weren't walking around. They, they, were, they were doing everything they could not to say that name because of what? It's holiness. Because the name was holy. But let me tell you this. There's much more to that, to this um, using the name of the Lord in vain. And so second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must fear judgment for the misuse of God's name. We must fear judgment for the misuse of God's name. Look at the verse. Look at verse 7. So the first part of the verse says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes the name of the Lord in vain. Now, now God doesn't give us a specific, right? He doesn't say how I'm going to judge you, does he? He doesn't say that. What he says, he says, you're not going to be held guiltless. In other words, I'm going to get with you. 
Now, now, now listen, I don't know about you, but if there's one person that I don't want to hear say, I'm going to get with you, is God. Right? Like, you know, you know, you know, you know, um, you, you, one of the Madea, one of the Madea sh- um, sh- movies or whatever, remember that she gets on the bus because somebody was picking on one of her grandkids or something like that, and then she comes off the bus, she's like, three o'clock. Remember that? So, so, so it's kind of like something like that, right? My daughter, she says one day, and, I, and I've, I probably said this to my daughter like three times, but I said this to her one day. I was like, let that be the last time. And she says, Daddy, that is the scariest thing you ever say to me. <laughs> so I save it for serious occasions, right? Like I got, it's not something that I'm just going to throw out there, right? And, and, and the whole point is that there's a seriousness to that moment, right? There's a seriousness to, what, to, to what's being said. And when God says this, he's saying, listen, you better be careful how you use my name. You better be careful how you, because I'm not going to hold you guiltless. You're not going to just be okay. It's not all right to use my name in vain. So here's the question. What does it mean to use the name of the Lord in vain? So I have six things that I'm going to show you here that I believe are clear as far as how we use the name of the Lord in vain. And so as I studied, like I said, I thought that I had this one on lock. I figured out I did not. And, and as, as I studied and, you know, read, and, and, and there's one particular commentator that I, you know, I use um, his, and I'll, I'll give him credit right now, but it's Matthew Henry. And when he goes through this, so he has five things, and I added one. And so here they are. I'll give them to you quick, and then I'll break them down. But here's the first one, by hypocrisy. The second one is by covenant breaking. The third one is by rash swearing. The fourth, fourth one is by false swearing. The fifth one is by using the name of God lightly or carelessly. And the sixth one is by speaking or acting in the name of the Lord when he hasn't spoken. And so what we see here is how is it that we use the name of the Lord in vain? Well, the first one is this, and not for all of these do I have a scripture to give to you, but some of them are just common sense. But this first one, you can write down Matthew chapter 15, verse 17 through 9. By hypocrisy. Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees because they're teaching men the standards and the words of men in the place of God's word. And then Jesus says, you teach them this, and he says, in vain do they worship me. In vain do they worship me. In other words, their lips are near to me, he says this, but their hearts are far from me. And he's saying you're worshiped by hypocrisy. So listen to this. Um, By hypocrisy, listen now, making a profession in God's name but not living up to that profession. Those, now listen, that name the name of Christ but do not depart from iniquity as that name binds them to do. Name it in vain. They worship in vain. Now, what, what I mean by this, and, and, and listen, this is the reason, and I, and, and I say this all the time, I am not anti-altar call, but I am careful when it comes to altar calls. Because do you know how many people have walked down an aisle to an altar, made a profession of faith, and said they're committed to God, and then turn around and walk out the door and continue to live a hypocritical life? They do not honor the commitment that they made. Therefore, I would rather you sit in your seat, feel the weight of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I communicate to you. God didn't tell you to believe some truth. God didn't tell you to have some professions of faith. God didn't tell you to do any of that. What he did was he said, follow me. He said, take up your cross daily. Deny yourself. That is what he says to Christians. He says, you want to be a believer? You believe the truth? You say these things are real to you? Live them. Don't be a hypocrite because you know why so many people don't want to come to church? It's because of the hypocrisy in the church. 
because we accept cheap grace, because we, we think God wants to justify our sin. I've said this before and I will say it again. He does not want to justify anyone's sin. He wants to justify repentant sinners. He wants us to lay our sin down and take up our cross daily. That does not mean we're going to be perfect, but it means that we are living and we are striving for holiness. Hypocrisy is the first way we take the name of the Lord in vain. The second thing is by covenant breaking. If we make promises to God, binding our souls with those bonds to that which is good, and yet perform not the Lord to, to the Lord the vows, we take his name in vain. It is folly, and God has no pleasure in fools. Listen to this, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 4. It tells us what? When you make a vow to the Lord, fulfill it because he takes no pleasure in fools. What is he saying to us? How many of y'all have, and you don't have to raise your hand, I'm I'm assuming I'm not the only one in the room, but I can go back to 20 years of a relationship with God and think about how many times I did something, felt bad about it, and said, God, I'm never going to do that again, and I find myself doing it the next day. Or God, I'm going to do this from now on, and I find myself doing it for maybe a day, two, a month, three, or four, and fall away from that thing. Those are called making vows to the Lord. Those, and God hears those. Hello, somebody. We take the name of the Lord in vain when we break covenant, when we break promises. This happens in our marriages, like I used the illustration earlier. We make commitments. We will be there in richer for poorer, in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, until I can't stand you anymore. (laughs) Is that what we said? No. Until death do us part. That doesn't mean go kill somebody. Hello. (laughs) What that means is you and I in marriage, listen, you have to die to yourself. Are you here? You have to lay your life down. You have to say, man, I'm going to be that. See, when we live our lives according to the purposes of God, covenant, we can't break covenant like that. We have to live the way God says. The third thing, by rash swearing. Rash swearing. I'm going to give you an example of this, and this is not necessarily using the name of the Lord in vain, but this is an example of rash swearing. So when you look in the book of Genesis, you remember this guy by the name of Esau, right? So Esau, he was the one that was the hunter, and then he has a brother, and you know his brother better. His brother's Jacob, remember? And so remember one day, Jacob is inside. He's making a stew, and he's cooking up something real good. Smells great. Esau comes out from the field sweaty, nasty. He's hungry, and he's like, bro, let me get some of that stew. And Jacob is like, I got you. Check this out. You want this stew? Give me your birthright. And what does Esau say? Instead of Esau saying, are you a fool? I'm not giving you a birthright, man. Give me a bowl of soup. What does he say? What does his birthright even mean to me? And he gives up his birthright for what? A bowl of lentil soup. You understand what he did when he gave up his birthright? He gave up everything that belonged to him. I firmly believe Esau thought he was being slick, but he wasn't. But here's the deal. He rashly made a commitment. You know, what, what, what this means for us is we do what? We say, man, I swear to God I'm going to do this. You ever, you, you ever had someone say that? I know you never said that, but, you know. <laughs> I, I, I promise I'm going to do this. I, I, man, I, I'm, wait a second, time out. You know why you're saying that stuff? Because you want to make someone think you're serious. 
but you rashly swear something, not thinking about the consequence, not thinking about what it costs you, I'm going to do this thing, right? And then you go ahead and you don't fulfill it. So that is another way we take the name of the Lord in vain because God, and then the third one is by false swearing. This is a little bit different. See, this rash one is you didn't think through it. The false one is that you did things or you made commitments and you never had an intention of keeping them. See, false swearing, if you look at um, Deuteronomy chapter 10, you don't have to turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 20. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 20, it tells us what? It tells us that we are to fear the Lord, that we are to serve him, and we are to take oaths in his name. So God says, take oaths in my name. Tell, tell people, listen, by God in heaven, I am going to do this. By God in heaven, we're going to walk together. When we look at the covenant of marriage, when we look at that, even in covenant and relationship with us as believers, I am going to do that. I'm going to fulfill this. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult. But no matter what, I'm going to do that. This is what God is telling his people to do. And what many writers believe is that this, and this, this, is the, this is the heart of this commandment of not misusing the name of the Lord. It is this, is that we don't bear, that we don't make these false swearings and say, you know what, I'm going to do this, but I don't do it. See, that is a problem. The fifth one is by using the name of God lightly and carelessly and without any regard to its awful significance. Again, oh my Lord, Jesus Christ. And, 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 and I'm not going to say the GD. I won't do that. But listen, it's a little bit too much for me. But, but here's the thing. All of those are using the name of the Lord in vain. But it's not just that when we talk about using it. It's when we profane or minimize God's word or God's church, the main vehicle through which he reveals himself to us is to take God's name in vain. Are you here? Bashing the church? That's taking the name of the Lord in vain. Hello? I'm not talking about calling out hypocrisy. That's not. That is, that is doing what we're called to do. I'm talking about bashing the church. I'm talking about beating the church up. We are God's people. Are you here? Amen. We are the body of Christ. And we just talk bad about it. Or we minimize God's word. We minimize the, the, the truth of what God says. When we do those things, we are taking the name of the Lord in vain. And the, and the sixth one is this. By speaking or acting in the name of the Lord when he hasn't spoken or acted and blaming or blaming God for something or acting in a manner that doesn't reflect his character. And let me unpack that for you. The first thing is this. is for speaking in the name of the Lord when he hasn't spoken. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm very careful. I believe firmly, and I hope you believe this as well. God still speaks today. Amen. If you don't believe that, you may be in the wrong place. I'm just letting you know right now. God speaks today. Now, here's what I understand about God speaking today. God will never speak today in contradiction to his word. If God says anything, it's going to align with his word. It's going to align with his character. But the thing is, whenever I'm praying and I'm seeking the Lord, and I may feel something for Ricky, and what I mean by that is I feel like the Lord is showing me something for him. Unless I am like 1,000% assured that it is God, and I'm going to come to my brother Ricky. I'm going to say, hey, man, I want to let you know this is what I was sensing in prayer. I don't know if this is the Lord. Maybe I ate something bad the night before. I don't know, but here's the deal. This is what I feel because I'm not going to tag God's name unless I know that I know that I know. Very important. And then there is the other side of this, which is not just speaking in his name, but acting in his name as though he said for you to act a certain way. Like you take something in the scriptures like Mark or Matthew chapter 18, where it talks about going to, to, to someone who is in sin, confronting them in their sin. If they, don't, if they don't repent, you bring them before a couple of other witnesses. You confront them. If they still don't repent, you bring them before the church. And then when you bring them before the church, if they still don't repent, then you kick their behind out. 
That's what the Bible says. But look what it says. It says to treat them as a tax collector and a heathen. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you treat people who are not Christian? I would hope you love them. I would hope you treat them with dignity and respect. I would hope that you honor them. But you know what we have today? We have these folks that are calling church discipline, treating people nasty, being mean, being vicious, being spiteful, being hateful. And they are using the name of the Lord in vain because their discipline is not to align someone with the truth. Their discipline is to embarrass. Their discipline is to hurt. Their discipline is to destroy people's lives rather than build them. What did Paul say when he was talking about the adultery. There was somebody that was, and listen to this now, there was somebody that was sleeping with his stepmom. He was having, that's craziness. He was sleeping with his stepmom, and Paul was like, how do you guys allow this in the church? He said, I'm not even there, but I'm telling you, kick him out and deliver him over to Satan so that his flesh is consumed, but he'll be saved. And that's 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, what does Paul say? He says, listen, it's enough. Restore this brother. He's been repentant. You're not separating him because you want to kill him. It's because you want to build him. See, the reason why you don't just allow anyone to be in the church and be part of the church and call them a Christian is because, man, if you're not living like a Christian, I'm doing you a disservice by allowing you to stay in the house like everything is all good. I'm doing it bad for you, and then I'm also doing it bad for everyone else because everyone else is going to be around you and be like, man, I can live like that because they're living like that. It's not true. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. But there's a way to do this so I can, I can execute Scripture in the wrong heart and the wrong spirit. And I'm doing what? Using the name of the Lord in vain. I know, I know I'm going over, but it's okay. I'm going to say it's okay. It's okay because I, you know, I, just, I'm, I haven't even got to my third point yet. But here is the third point that we're, we're going to get to. But before I say this, here's what I want you to know. That's pretty heavy, right? How many of you would say at this point, man, I've used the name of the Lord in vain? Raise your hand if you could say that. Come on, let's just be honest in here. Everybody, so I'm doing an altar call. You all are coming up here right now. <laughs> this Sunday we're doing it because I got a full altar. Amen. You know, I, I, that was a trick. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> That's the way to do it, right? Like before the altar call happens, be like, hey, y'all, is anybody guilty? Yes. Amen. All right. So now I just had y'all raise your hand at the end of the sermon. Y'all need to be it. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I guess that's a new way you can do that. But, here, but here's the thing. The reality is. That we've all broken these. We all recognize that, right? Like, man, seriously, like I, I have been a hypocrite or I've made a false promise or I've broken a cut. I mean, there, there's so many things. So what do we got to do? We have to recognize where it is that I've taken the name of the Lord in vain. I have to recognize that and then do what? Repent of it. Turn from it. I can't just stay in it. I have to turn from it. I have to say, no, God, I'm not going to be that person who uses your name in vain anymore. I'm not going to be that one that's blaming you for things you have nothing to do with, that, that, that's allowing you to take credit for negative stuff in my life that you have nothing to do with. Or even, look, I, and look can, can I tell you something? This even happens with positive stuff. I heard somebody the other day, they did this. They were like, they're totally living in sin, and they're accrediting God for all the blessing that's in their life. Let me tell you something. Satan knows how to bless you at the right moment. He knows how to open some doors for you. When you want to rebel against God, hello, somebody, listen. It's not God being merciful. It's, it's judgment that is waiting for you. So we got we to think about how we're using the name of the Lord in vain. Third thing I'll ask you to repeat, repeat after me is this. Say, we must be committed, must be committed to, restoring to restoring honor to God's name. 
We must be committed to storing honor to God's, to restoring honor to God's name. And I want to do this in the next five minutes here. I want you to turn your Bible with me to the book of Matthew, and they're going to um, put these scriptures up there as well. But I, if you want to turn there, you can turn there with me. I won't wait until everyone gets there, but when I get there, we're going to read. But Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33, this verse, it shows us the heart of this particular commandment. Look what Jesus says. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely. That's the heart of this command. Now, you should not swear falsely. In, in, one, in one sense, being a person who uses the name of the Lord in vain is being one who commits perjury, right? Someone who commits perjury. Because whether you like this or not, you and I are always on the stand of witness. Are you here? We're always on the witness stand, every one of us, because we are what? We are believers. And so Jesus says that you, in verse 34, he says, But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your own head, because you cannot make one hair white or black or grow. Like, is that in his Bible? No. I have no control is what he's saying, right? Like, if I could make my hair grow, I'd be like, amen, I got my hair back, glory to God, right? Like, I don't have any authority over that, not even on my own head, right? I mean, this is what he's saying. And then what does he say? He says, but let your yes be yes. You guys are so serious. And your no, no. Look what he says now. He says, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. So what is Jesus doing here? Is he rebuking them for making vows? No, he's rebuking them for making false ones. Because what they were doing is this, is they would go and they would say, I swear by heaven I'm going to do this. I swear by Jerusalem I'm going to do this. I swear by this I'm going to do this. I swear by my own head I'm going to do this. And you know why they were doing that? They were making those kind of promises is because they did not want to incur the judgment of God. And so they were thinking, hey, I'm not saying I swear in the name of the Lord. I'm swearing by everything else except the name of the Lord. And what Jesus is saying, listen, man, by saying those things, you're still swearing by the name of the Lord. In other words, you are fooling no one. You're fooling no one. And so he tells them, let your yes be yes. Now turn to the book of James. This is one more that we see this clearly conveyed here. James chapter 5, and he says this in verse 12. He, he says, and they'll put it up here. It says, but above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. What did I say in the second point? That we need to fear. We need to fear the judgment. We have to fear the judgment for using the name of the Lord in vain. In the New Testament, guess what? It made it over there. The same judgment is awaiting those who are using, let that be the last time. Hello, somebody. The name of the Lord is not something to be played with. And so we've admitted we've been dishonorable to his name. Let me take you to one more scripture and we'll wrap up here. Romans chapter 2 because I want to show you how it is that we bring honor back to the name of the Lord. Romans chapter 2 verse 17. 
through 24, this very important scripture, it says this, and, and this is Paul who is speaking to the Jews who are saying they're justified because of the law. They're justified because of them obeying the law. He says, indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and the truth in the law. Now pause for a moment because what is he saying here? He's saying, look, man, you guys have it all together, right? According to you, you're guiding people, leading people, teaching people. You are the way. You are showing people all of this. And then look what Paul goes on to say he says you therefore who teach another do you not teach yourself hold on a second he's saying wait a second while you're pointing the finger at everybody else are you looking at yourself he's saying you who do this you who preach a man should not steal do you steal you who say do not commit adultery do you commit adultery you who abhor idols do you rob temples you who make your boast in the law do you dishonor god through breaking the law what is paul saying we all are law breakers as we all raised our hands a moment ago we all take the name of the lord in vain i mean that's the reality that we have to embrace and so Paul is saying that, but look at the next part of that verse. It says, for the name of God, the name of God, you heard that, the name of God is blaspheme among the Gentiles because of you, because of your hypocrisy, because of your false commitments, because you are taking the name of the Lord in vain, what is happening? The world doesn't want anything to do with your God. The world speaks bad about your God. The world speaks blasphemy about your God. Is that not the culture we live in today? Listen, it's not their fault. They're supposed to do that. It's our fault if we're not living holy. If we're not living righteous, if we're not living for the glory and the honor of God. See, as believers, we must see our lives as always being under oath. Did you hear me? We must see our lives as always being under oath. And so listen, to take the name of the Lord in vain is to call yourself a Christian and live like a non-believer. You hear that? To take the name of the Lord in vain is to call yourself a Christian and yet live like you're not a Christian. Not living by the standards that God places. And God shows us this. Listen, our lives do, do, do one of two things. Either A, they bring glory, they bring honor to the name of God, or they bring dishonor to him. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. It is either we're bringing glory to him and bringing honor to his name, or we're bringing dishonor and bringing shame to his name. And when you or I bring shame to the name of God because of the life that we are living, you know what we do? We are misusing the name of the Lord. And so the question is, how are you misusing the name of the Lord? How is it that you're misusing the name of the Lord? And are you committed? Are you committed to restoring honor to the name of the Lord? My prayer and my hope is that as you raised your hand, that you brought your heart before God. And you said, Lord, I recognize, I recognize that I've misused your name. Because here, here, here is the beauty. The beauty of this is that God offers you his grace. He reminds you of the gospel and he says, listen, I know you feel terrible right now. 
I know you feel crushed right now because you are confronting my holy law, because you are confronting my holiness, and and there's nothing you can do to make yourself righteous enough, because you know what? You may not take my name in vain for five days, five minutes, five hours, but you know what? You will, and when you do, you're a lawbreaker and guilty, but you know what he says? He says, I sent my son to die for you. He died in your place, so that way your righteousness is not your own, but it's his. Your righteousness is not because you're so great, it's because he is so great, because he never took the name of the Lord in vain. And he offers you that grace, but it's not for you to just come and feel better about yourself, but it's about you making your life right with God because of his grace, and that is calling upon him. And so I implore you today, number one, if you're in this place and you're a believer and you are truthful and honest and you say, God, I don't want to take your name in vain any longer, that you will recognize where you have and repent of that. Number two, if you are not a believer in this place, today is the day that you call upon God and say, I don't want to take your name in vain anymore. I don't want to dishonor your name. I want to be one that reflects your your name, your glory, your holiness. I want to restore honor to that. So if you're in this place in either one of those, I pray that you will pray with me now in humility before God and that you'll call upon him. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before your presence and we humble our hearts before you and we pray, God, that you would grip our lives this morning with a deep sense of conviction of the holiness of your name. And that you would not just grip us with the revelation of the holiness of your name, that you would show us clearly where we violate this law of taking your name in vain. Lord, we fear the judgment that comes for those who take your name in vain and don't even think about it. We don't want to be under your judgment. We want to be under your blessing, God. And so we repent today, we confess today, and we ask you, help us not to blaspheme, not to dishonor, not to misuse your name any longer. Help us to live for your glory and your honor. Help us to bring glory to your name. Help us to restore honor to your name in the midst of a culture that that hates you, Lord God, that dishonors you. And I pray for those in this place, God, that may not know you, that may have not made that commitment to you. God, may they no longer run. May they run to you today. May they commit their lives to you today, and may they be in full surrender to who you are. And I pray this in Jesus' good name. And everyone said... Amen. And as, as Pastor Chad is making his way up here, I just want to say this. If you made a commitment to the Lord today, we have some communication cards. There are some in the front lobby. There are also some in the... In the-